Hi, I'm Leah Wheatholter, owner of Workman Forensics, and this is the Investigation Game Podcast. Welcome back to the podcast, where today we're going to be talking all about how to find hidden assets in divorce. I think one of the most surprising things that I found after I started working with forensics was the number of divorce cases we were actually asked to work. I really thought we would be working bank fraud and securities fraud and embezzlement and hopefully a good Ponzi scheme every now and then, but we ended up being asked to find hidden assets in divorce, which has been kind of cool, like being able to help people. And so today I've invited Megan Brown. Megan is one of our forensic accounting analysts. She's a CPA and also our newest PI, (laughs) but she has 17 years of accounting experience in both public accounting and private sector, primarily oil and gas, right? Right. So let's just kind of talk a little bit about you, Megan, to begin with. Why did you come to work at Workman Forensics? Well, I thought it was very fascinating and a great way to apply my accounting skills, but it's much more exciting than your normal accounting job, uh, mainly because of the backstories that are involved with, with each case. But it's not just your everyday recording journal entries and creating financial statements. It's it is a lot more interesting. Yeah. So the person who introduced us told me that you were a true crime fan. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, oh, gosh, you have to have her read this book, which is a book we have everyone read whenever they mm-hmm. come to work at Workman Forensics. It's called The Thief in Your Company by Tiffany Couch. And so I said, OK, if she reads this book and like still likes this and realizes that we're not like knocking down people's doors <laughs> at night, then she can come work with us in. So you read the book and yes. you liked it. I really liked the book and I was happy not to be knocking down any doors. What? <laughs> I know. You got this PI license and now you're not going to go do surveillance? Huh? Yeah. No. 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 So one of the things I wanted to do with a PI license or my true crime, uh, my love of true crime really <laughs> did <is> love. <laughs> spur me wanting to get my PI license. But I wasn't really interested in the surveillance. That made me a little nervous. So it does, I was interested in it from the research aspect. Yeah. You want to just kind of talk about some of the things that you have researched or what you use to research as a PI that you couldn't as a CPA? Yeah. So we have access to a database and it pulls together all public information, but into one database. So you don't have to go to each state and search by each state. So a lot of times you can find businesses that a spouse has created or assets they may own that you don't know about. But it kind of, that kind of pulls that, like I said, into a record of where you can find it all in one place. Um, Another thing you have access to is our vehicle records. So you can Mm -hmm. go to the vehicle registration and show your PI license and they can pull records for you that just a normal citizen would not be able to do. So it helps us kind of take that like next step. Like not only can we read your bank statements and financial (laughs) statements, but we can also pull cool information off the databases. Yeah. Although I think a common misconception is that we can like enter somebody's social security number into a database (laughs) and like pull up bank records. No. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. No, that anything that is not a public record is protected. So we're really only searching for things that you can find on your own. It's just, we utilize a database that pulls it into one place. 
Right. And from all over the U.S. Yeah. I mean, property records are public. When right. you file and create a company, an LLC, that's public record through your secretary of state. So all the things that we're able to access, we're, it's through public databases. Right. We're not doing shady no, stuff. No, we're not. Yeah. No. Plus... Some people think, oh, let's just go, like, enter this information. There are some databases that will give you that information, but it's not admissible in court. And so we just stay out of that. Yeah, we're just using what can be admissible in court because we don't want our clients to rely on anything illegal. (laughs) And we don't want to do anything illegal. (laughs) That's probably a good idea. (laughs) Yeah. So what, in, in working here, I think you also found it kind of surprising. We talked a little bit about um, kind of surprising we worked on divorce cases as well. But what about what's something just kind of surprising that you found out in divorce cases? Like something maybe you didn't realize before you started working here? Well, I didn't realize people hid money or hid assets in divorce. That really was like a new thing to me because I really thought I would be working more fraud and embezzlement. But probably the most surprising and it's kind of sad is that a lot of our divorce cases start amicably. And I guess if they end amicably, they wouldn't hire us. Right. But, um, right. We get hired because they start off amicably and then something happens. Maybe uh, one of the spouses talks to an attorney and they convince them that, oh, no, you shouldn't be giving this much money to your spouse or you could really keep more money. And so then it ends up coming to us. Yeah. I think one of my favorite things in divorce cases is tracing the money. To me, it's just fun because... Especially if the spouse controlling the money is like creative about how they do Mm -hmm. it. I like to be able to piece that together, just starting with bank statements and credit card statements and, you know, what other accounts do they have that maybe nobody knows about Mm -hmm. or investments that they might not know about. So that's, that's probably one of my favorite things. I just love to connect. One, I love to connect Mm -hmm. dots. You know, me and my love of escape rooms. (laughs) And uh, then also I, so connecting dots, but then I just love finding money and finding assets. Mm -hmm. So super fun. So these are kind of some of the most surprising or most interesting things I think about divorce cases. But what are some of like the saddest things? (laughs) (laughs) Well, like I said, that they start off amicably. I mean, that's surprising, but also that is kind of sad that they have to end in this kind of, knockdown drag out situation but also what's sad is just when you find out a spouse has been hiding assets or they're possibly hiding a significant other because you may find uh we may find like by looking through bank statements that there were some jewelry purchases but the spouse we're representing didn't receive that jewelry so obviously it went to someone else i think another thing is when a spouse claims that Either their investments or a business they started was premarital mm-hmm. when they full well yeah. know it yeah. was started during the marriage, which makes it a marital asset. And I don't know if they think they're just duping their spouse. Uh, but I mean, that's public record. Like I said, from the Secretary of State, you can see when a business was filed. So it's very easy to tell whether it was marital or premarital. Yes, it is. It's <laughs> yeah. pretty black and white. Yeah. But, so uh, I, I think just that and like, I mean, or when you find out someone has been planning it for years, sometimes yes. you can tell because they've made cash, cash withdrawals for maybe years uh, in advance of filing mm-hmm. because then it's harder to trace cash. So 
they've maybe been putting it in a different account or just keeping it. So that way they have the slush fund when they do file for a divorce. Right. You're kind of going back to what you said about having another significant other that the spouse doesn't know about. It just made me think of the case that still drives you nuts because you think that one of yeah. our, one of the spouses in one of our cases had another family. Mm-hmm. It's driving, it's, it's, it's driven us nuts because yeah. we never got to that part. I know, but I we mean, gave her the tools she needed to figure out whether she wanted to file for a divorce. That's true. So we don't really know if she did or not. And so he, we'll never know if you had another family, although I think you did. Right. <laughs> and Megan will never know. Yeah, I'll never know. I know that it's going to drive me nuts. I feel like that's kind of the difficult thing in a lot of our cases is that we can only take it so far. Right. I mean, there's only so many resources to like yeah, it's not like dig date, up Yeah, it's not like Dateline where you get the happy, not the happy ending, but the ending of knowing yeah, what yeah. happened. Yeah, we don't. We the don't. client does, yeah. but we don't know. Yes, it's kind of a bummer. <laughs> yeah. So if you're a former client listening to this podcast and you don't think we know the end of your story, you should probably call us yeah. or email us and uh, tell us how your case ended. <laughs> um, maybe we'll have some other endings for people. You know, in preparing for this episode, I... I mean, it's just not a very fun topic, but we help a lot of people in this area. I mean, we've only had maybe two cases in nine years where we didn't find something. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's crazy. And, we, and we've probably worked 30 to 50 divorce cases somewhere in there. I should go count these one day. But just, I kind of, I mean, it's not a fun thing to talk about. And I think there's so many, there's just so many decisions. We can't even go into all of them in this podcast, but... I wanted to inspire maybe a little hope in this not very fun conversation, but that like one, if you're afraid, if, if somebody listening is afraid that their spouse is hiding assets, it can be found. Maybe not a hundred percent. I think I would be lying if I said a hundred percent. So, but a very high percentage of what your spouse is doing can be traced. And I think that is reassuring. And it's just about, having the right tools and being empowered to go find it, which um, we'll talk a little later about Mm -hmm. how we're going to do that. But then also, I think too, whenever we've been hired in situations where someone wants to know what's going on, and that is just not a fun thing. Like, it's not fun to tell someone that I think your spouse might have another family. Like, that is just not fun. But even though it's scary and the change is daunting... I kind of feel like I'm going out on a limb here, but I think that it's an opportunity for the spouse to become like who they were meant to become. Um, Like who were they meant to be? And maybe they're stuck in a relationship and this, even though it's scary and maybe, maybe they just really enjoy having a life that they earn $300,000 a year plus. And, you know, they get to go on all these vacations and stuff. But I think there's probably something really fulfilling in that individual that they're not like that's not being fulfilled, like a gap that's not being fulfilled that maybe they could and that they shouldn't feel like they're held hostage just because their spouse makes a lot of money. Or if I leave, you know, will my spouse have all of these assets? And so I'm not trying to like endorse one way or the other, but if someone's like trying to decide and they feel stuck because they think I can't leave this income, like I think that there's hope. And I think that they can discover something about themselves they might not have been able to discover before. I agree. There's always hope. And someone has come out of it who is in a worse situation than you. Oh, that's Guarantee. true. Yeah. So Every time. Um, and a lot of people do quit their own promising career to support a spouse's career. So maybe you go yes. back to that. Or 
start something new. But I think one sign of divorce is people think, oh, one spouse hasn't really worked. But they maybe do a lot from home. They raise the children. Maybe they are their spouse's secretary, keep them organized, pick up their dry cleaning every day, organize their life. I mean, that's a big supportive role to Mm -hmm. allow that other person to be the income earner. Right. Yeah. So kind of my thought in summary was just, and I actually wrote this down, like find assets prior to property settlement. Like don't wait, like hire a P if you suspect it, hire a PI, hire a forensic accountant, you know, hire workman forensics, (laughs) and then just have hope that you can achieve more outside the relationship because you can. For sure. Like you can. For sure. So now let's go back to our advice. (laughs) I just had to like, uh, yeah, I felt really strongly. We don't want to just give hope bring this to be a Debbie Downer type podcast, (laughs) but there is hope out there and you can do it and you can make something of yourself after divorce. Right. Yes, absolutely. So what are some of our top things that we advise anyone who is either going through a divorce or about to go through a divorce or even just kind of wants to check up on what is my spouse doing? Like, where do we start? Uh, We definitely want to always start with bank accounts or credit card statements, uh, brokerage accounts, and tax returns. Yeah. Uh, those are all things we want to look at to just see where's the money coming from, where, what's it being spent on. Tax returns can help you identify assets that maybe are paying royalties or income. Uh, there's different schedules on your tax return that will list these items. So that's always a good thing to look at and compare to past prior years. Um, payroll stubs. Does the net amount of your spouse's payroll stub match what's being deposited into your bank account? If it doesn't, that most likely means there's another account that money's being deposited into. And you may may be able to look at that on the payroll stub too. Are there two accounts being listed as receiving deposits that may open up an, an account that you don't know about? And then if your spouse does own a business... Uh, just having a, value, a business valuation done or an appraisal uh, because they may be valuing it a lot lower for the benefit of the divorce than it's actually worth because they may not want to give that other spouse half of what it's actually worth. Right. So, and also a lot of times businesses are incentivized to make their taxes lower. So they exactly. may not report a certain income, or they may do different kind of journal entries so that at the end of the year, their income looks lower. So that they right. have to pay less taxes. They can have several entities set up so that they're, and they all have different year ends where they're like kind of floating from entity to entity so that like at that year end, they don't show a very high income and they can pay less taxes. So you definitely want to have a business valuation Um, and we also can do that here at Workman Forensics, but so you know how much that business is actually worth. Right. Yeah. So we typically prep the forensic side, like looking at what types of things went into making this income look one way or the other, like, is it too low or, um, or going and finding other companies, things like that, Mm -hmm. that we've already talked about, but related to the business valuation, are there things that they've put in on their tax return to make their taxes lower that, if a valuation expert just looks at their tax return, the value is going to be entirely too low. So we go in and we look at that part and then we prep it and then we work with business valuation experts to who will then testify. But we kind of do the cleanup before the, like we go find stuff before mm-hmm. they value yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing to get valued is any kind of expensive asset. So 
-hmm. not only just property, like fixed asset type property, but jewelry, art, any Mm -hmm. antiques, things that you own together that have any kind of value. You want to make sure to get an appraisal to make sure you're getting half or whatever the split of the assets is, but make sure you're getting your fair share. Yeah. And you mentioning that about jewelry and antiques and stuff that reminds me too, that like just doing an inventory at the very beginning, I mean, anything that you want to have appraised, write it down, put it on a list so that you know what existed because we've had some before that they knew they had certain like pieces of jewelry or lately like coins, gold coins and stuff are real popular right now. So like they knew that they had these valuables, but then as the divorce drug on, all of a sudden they don't know where all of it went. And then there's really not a good way to track it. So if you can have an inventory done and there's like people who will do video inventories now Mm -hmm. too. And um, so they'll go in and they'll, so then that way you can actually see and it's date and time stamped and got a third party checking it. So that's kind of cool. Um, anyway, so that's a nice way to just have a good starting point. Everything right. kind of needs a starting yeah. point. And then another good thing and tool is to perform a lifestyle analysis. So mm-hmm. this is mainly looking at how much you're spending per month and what you're spending it on to know, okay, well, if we're spending this amount, we must be bringing in more than that. So that's another way you can tell if, uh, Perhaps they're not admitting to all the income they're earning because unless you're, if you're not going bankrupt and you're spending, right. you know, $2,000 a month, you're probably bringing in more than $2,000 a month. So, or at least $2,000 yeah, a month. Right. You're like probably if that's not how much is leaving under, your checking account, yeah, you're then you're most likely, that. right, exactly. So uh, lifestyle analysis is really important and this can make, and this can help you find accounts you don't know about and just all mm-hmm. kind of purchases that you may not know about. Right. And I'll go ahead and mention another book here. So there, there's a lady, Tracy Conan, and um, most of our staff reads her book or at least like key chapters out of her book. It's called Lifestyle Analysis in Divorce Cases. And um, I just, I think it does a nice job of kind of summarizing what we're talking about here. If our listeners would like another resource. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I agree with how she explains to go about doing that. Yeah, I think her, uh, it's very, I like her book too, and it's uh, easy to understand. Yes, it is. So one of my favorite ways to think mm-hmm. kind of outside the box, like how are people hiding money? Because, you know, like before working here, you didn't even think about people hiding assets no. in divorce. So, <laughs> um, And I feel like, okay, these are all very technical um, ideas of how to go find money, but I thought maybe we could just share a couple stories. Yep, sure. Okay. So I'm going to let Megan go first <laughs> because Megan always finds the most interesting things and she likes to dig. I do like um, to dig. <laughs> wait, what's the name of that game that we played? Hunt a Killer. Yes. It's like the monthly subscription package where you have to solve all these puzzles. I'm pretty sure that Megan has dug beyond the box that we're on. <laughs> she has yeah. found clues for like box probably five and six. I like to look for like hidden links and anything that might be in there. So a lot of articles that I read prepping for this podcast, I would even read through the comments. Oh my goodness. I just don't even have the patience for that. So the first, (laughs) the very first story that I came up with, I actually found in the comments of an article. Okay. And and someone was giving this as an example of 
what had happened to them was they found out their spouse had been transferring money to other family members. Um, and this will happen a lot where they transfer it to a family member under the guise as a gift or whatever. Mm-hmm. But after the divorce, they get the money back from that family. Mm-hmm. They're in an agreement with the family member to get the money back. But what happened is they've been transferring all this money, so it came up as a loss, and then the spouse claimed that they had a gambling problem. And then that was the reason for uh, the loss of money. Well, and that would, I guess, in their mind, that would justify away all these cash withdrawals. Yeah, um, yeah that's what they were justifying, the cash withdrawals. They had a gambling problem, right. but it turned out that they were really giving it to a family right. member. Right. In Oklahoma, that would probably work. Oh, yeah. With all of our casinos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> True. Uh, well, that... Reminds me of a story where this, it was actually the very first divorce case I worked. And the lady had been offered $600,000 as a settlement. And so they had a bunch of rental properties. So we did a whole bunch of work to go find, um, I think we found other bank accounts and things like that. Because whatever's in those bank accounts that you don't know about, I mean, if it was created with marital funds, a lot of times that can be split. There's like different rules. So we often have to work with the attorney of whatever um, state we're working in and just their experience and stuff. But anyway, so a lot of that can be split. So even just finding a bank account with $10,000 in it mm-hmm. could be split. So the most interesting thing was they had a whole bunch of rental properties. And I think over the course of me being involved in the case, cause it had been going on a while, uh, they had put at least on the books, like $250,000 into this rental property that was not worth $250,000. <laughs> and I remember I was sitting at the mediation and the attorney and I was like, can we not ask for this house that has all of this work done mm-hmm. to it? Because like, what's this guy planning to do? Move in? And uh, he said, I, anyway, the suspicion was that it was fake. So maybe he paid the vendors um, checks and then recorded it there, but the vendors were holding the checks till after mm-hmm. the divorce or whatever. Anyway, when we were done, that six hundred thousand ended up at one point four million. Whoa! I know it's <laughs> like one of my favorite stories. Which actually, you know, surprisingly, a lot of ours end up like that. It's oh yeah. yeah, just crazy. So okay, story number number two. Okay, this is the craziest story I came across. I mean, I wish I could have worked, worked this case, but. <laughs> It would have been so interesting. But a spouse, a, an attorney was representing a spouse where the other spouse had taken a, a diamonds and put them in his father's prosthetic leg oh to, then, to then take to Israel and sell. So then he was going to get all these ca- this cash for these diamonds. That was his plan. And then his spouse would have no idea that he sold them. I don't oh even think gosh. she knew about the diamonds in the first place. Uh, because he had converted some cash that he'd taken out and bought the diamonds. I gotcha. um, so Israeli security is pretty uh, thorough, and they <laughs> found the diamonds in the leg. So he, of course, got stopped, and they knew about this incident. So then he had to report the diamonds in the in the assets findings. And the judge, this is the best part, thought that was so outrageous of a scheme that he awarded all the diamonds to the spouse. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I know. Okay. Because he was just like, dude, don't <laughs> don't be trying to do these crazy schemes. So he ended up giving all of them, all the diamonds to the divorce. Well, good for that judge. Yeah. That yeah. is That's pretty what amazing. Happen. I'm just thinking like what was going through the dad's head whenever right. he's like, yeah, son, you can like just dump <laughs> yeah. all these diamonds into my yeah. prosthetic leg. No kidding. 
And willing to and sell to go- them for him. Yeah. In Israel. I mean. Well, and in Israel. Yeah. Like- they have very tight security at the airport there. <laughs> right. It's it, just not. Yeah. It was just beyond. But I can't even imagine thinking of that. Yeah, no. So, I mean, no. that's pretty that, crazy. We, yeah, no. That, that's pretty good <laughs> yeah. right there. But uh, I thought. I've not- never had any like that. Yeah, we haven't. But I thought the <laughs> I thought the ending was pretty awesome. Yeah, that is yeah. good. Hey, that's one that we got to actually that you got to see the end yes, of the story. I knew the end. If yes. I wrote articles, it would end before the, end yeah, of the story. Right. I know. Oh my goodness! So we had one where the husband owned about five different companies, and they were claiming that they were only combined total was only worth $50,000. And this was one of those examples, like you mentioned earlier about, um, you know, tax, like tax incentives mm-hmm. or the, the, having the incentive to make your income look less on tax returns. And so one of those strategies, like you said, is kind of floating. I mean, it kind of works like hiding almost, but it's yeah. like legal, but to defer revenue by having different year ends and all these different companies. So one of the things we did was we put, we just looked at the cash accounts and looked at what money came in, what money went out, and we made it line up on a twelve thirty one year in, and made all of them have the same year in. And we found bank accounts that nobody knew about. I mean, gosh, that is like so common. Yeah. Um. And then we all, and maybe even an LLC or two. And then uh, we found over thirty million dollars of transfers between all five of these companies. And so, you know, my job, I am not a valuation expert, but my you know, we turned this work over and then the valuation expert like works their magic. And we went from $50,000 to almost 2 million. That's great. 2 million. Yeah. And that's why we said, mentioned earlier, like always get a business evaluation. Right. Because that can happen. I mean, your spouse is claiming it's only worth 50,000 and then it's worth 2 million. I mean, that's right. a huge difference. Right. Oh, it happens all the time. So I think we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that almost anything can be traced. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I think so. So (laughs) I kind of want to go out on a limb. Have you seen, like, do you ever watch Conan? Do you watch Conan? Sometimes. Sometimes? Yeah. And I don't know if he still has it because I don't watch it all the time, but, like, people would write in and tell him where he made mistakes during the show. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So I want to see if any of our listeners have, I mean, it would be best if it was a real scenario, right? Like, don't, like, make up something crazy. But I think it would be awesome if our listeners submitted to us through email um, some crazy story that they know about, but it has to be real. Yeah. That, like, to ask us if we know how to trace that money. Yeah. Like, could we trace it? Mm-hmm. And I just want to try. Yeah, me too. I think I, this we're always fun. interested in something that's going to stump us. Yeah. So, like, just the story. We're not going to dig into bank statements. We're yeah. not, like, working for free here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but what we will do is if you think that you have a scenario that we would be able to trace hidden, like that we, we would not be able to trace the hidden assets, like send it to us and send it to podcast at workmanforensics.com. And then if we, whether we can or we can't, we'll admit it. Yeah. In another podcast. I'm excited. I think this will be fun. Yeah. You have to come back for that one. I will. Because yes, this is your you. podcast debut. It is. Yes. I'm a podcast junkie. I listen to all kinds of podcasts, mainly true crime. Of course. A lot of, uh, probably anything NPR has out, I listen to as well. (laughs) But uh, like news updates. So um, So you need to be on more podcasts. I know. I would love to be on more podcasts. It is is you, 
need to be on a bunch of podcasts and then I need to be invited to escape rooms. Yes. Like those sure. are our yeah. like hobby. Those goals. are our loves. Podcasts <laughs> and escape rooms. Podcasts and escape rooms. Because I do. Oh gosh, I listen to so many podcasts. So thank you all for listening. And if you're interested in any of the stories or resources that we've shared in this podcast, like the two books and then even the articles or comments that um, Megan referred to those links will be in the show notes. So thanks so much for being on the show. Oh, we forgot something. What? We forgot to talk about, uh, cause I didn't put it on the outline, what we're going to be preparing. So we are actually putting together a training, training workshop. workshop, workshop would be the best way to describe this. So we are going, we are in the middle of preparing for a workshop to begin in August where we are going to teach people, and we'd love for this to be spouses. This is not, necess- I mean, professionals can join us if yeah. they want, but this is really for individuals who suspect their spouse is hiding assets. And we're going to hold day long, day long workshops mm-hmm. to where they get to work their case. Now, not like every year and every penny accounted for, but we're going to at least like. I guess my goal and really heart behind this is to help spouses get to the bottom of this and to be empowered to take Mm -hmm. that step. And if they're needing to get out of some sort of relationship or if they're already in, you know, the separation's already happened, but they just feel powerless for them to come and we can show them like, you can do this. You can go find these assets. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and even if, um, they can't afford this. We're going to have some scholarship opportunities yeah. for these classes. So I'm really excited about it. Yeah. And Megan's going to be one of the instructors. Yeah. I'm very excited about empowering people who are in this situation, may not be able to afford hiring us just on their own, but the workshops will give them the tools they need for, uh, to use the data they have. Right. Uh, so bringing in all the data they have and then, like I said, giving them the tools they need to research it themselves. That way it's the less cost to them. Right. Less cost, but they can go find. And and maybe in some cases there's nothing to find. We have that sometimes. Yeah, we do. Maybe there's nothing to find, but you just need that peace of mind. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm excited we're going to be able to put this together. I'm really excited. I'm really excited just about empowering uh, people to get out of a bad situation or mm-hmm. discover more assets than they maybe knew were there. Right. Or just making sure they get their fair end of the deal on the divorce. Right. Okay, so just like a little bit of a sneak peek because maybe somebody's thinking, how in the world am I going to work my case while you're there? Well, here's the great part. All the attendees will send in a year of bank statements and a year of credit cards for just one account because once we've shown you how to do it, you can keep doing it on other years and other Mm -hmm. accounts, but you send it to us. We'll process all of your data. We'll go ahead and run the data test ahead of time. And so it's ready for you whenever you get here. So I just think that's super exciting because as you're working through this workshop, you're actually getting to look at your bank accounts and your credit cards. I'm so pumped. It's going to be great. And if you're listening and you need this help, please come. Or if you have a friend that needs it, please let them know about it as well. Yes. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Now we're really done with the podcast. So thank you, Megan, for being here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to today's episode. To get updates on future podcasts, events, and resources, please subscribe to our podcast, our YouTube channel, and follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Do you? 
suspect your spouse is hiding assets or lying about his or her income? We've spent the last eight years working to perfect a system that finds hidden assets and verifies income specifically for divorce cases. And for the first time, we're making this available to the public. Join us for our Find Money and Divorce workshops beginning in August. For more information, visit findmoneyanddivorce.com.